Yo, what up though? Welcome. How y'all feeling? To IGP Quick Takes. Inspire guys, people. I'ma just give y'all a little something real quick. Like, you know. Been here for a minute, man. It's kind of like a freestyle, but in the form of a podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Turn me up. Uh, it's gonna be good. I ain't really got time for this. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire Guys People, the podcast where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. This is a quick take, people. Come on. Woo! Guys, people, it's going to be a great day. Today, we are going to discuss NFTs, non-fungible tokens for regular people, because you are not a dummy. No, I would never call you that. Look at me. I got the music back. Um, shout out to the people that told me that, like, yo, where's the music on the intro, Jay? Y'all know what time it is? Actually, I don't even know what time it is. I have no idea how the music got muted out. It was muted, so it, I must have, like, hit a button on the laptop, the button that mutes it or something as I was ending it. I have no idea. There was a song at the end um, called Don't Give Up Now. It's really just, like, a 30-second clip, I think, of a song. Like, sometimes I share clips of y'all share clips of y'all, with y'all, <laughs> I can talk, of like music that I've done in the past or like, you know, that I never finished or that I really like and just isn't unreleased. And that song is a song I really like and I never really finished it or released it. It's called Don't Give Up Now. So I just shared a clip of the hook and it was like at the end because last week's episode was about, you know, peace, patience and perseverance and the song is Don't Give Up Now, so I kind of ended it. The song was supposed to come in. It didn't happen. So maybe we'll share that today um, at the end of today's show. I'll end it with the clip of Don't Give Up Now, which is just, again, a clip of a song that I never released or never finished, and I really like it. I should probably finish it one day. And um, the other thing I want to say about last week's show, man, is a lot of times on this show, I try my best to just be real with y'all and, like, I do that. The only reason I'm using the word try as it relates to be real is because I also like to keep my, I'm just a private person. You know, y'all know that. If you listen to the show, it's like everything ain't your business. You know what I'm saying? It's just how I get down. Privacy makes it, you know, valuable to the people in your life, at least for me, that are close to me. It's like, oh, you know something or you know a part of me that everybody doesn't just get to see or whatever. And I don't know. Anyway, that's just me. That's how I work through like, you know, the public nature of things like having a podcast or other things that I do and balancing that with being a businessman in corporate America and like just like this world of like just complete show everybody everything. Y'all know, I, I just don't get into all of that and I'm not saying nothing is wrong with it. It's just how I try to deal with it with my natural personality of like sometimes being super outgoing, but at the same time balancing that with being kind of a super laid back um, more observant, more kind of keep my business to myself type person. So anyway, I said all that to say, I think I mentioned on the last episode of the show, 148 it was, this is episode 149. I think I mentioned like, you know, that, that show about peace, patience, and perseverance, perseverance is like, you know, I need that right now because I got a lot going on in business and just a lot of unknowns and things like that. And I just wanted to share briefly what's so amazing about God. And I'm so thankful, you know, like maybe two, three days after recording that show, I had got some information that I wasn't expecting 
that was good news, you know, in the business world about, you know, a way that I was appreciated. And I'm not going to get into the details or whatever, but it was just it was good news. And it was potentially a sign of more good news to come. And so I was just really thankful for that and thankful for the Lord that like, you know, because when you're going through stuff and you're just trying to do it God's way the best you can, you're trying to keep God at the forefront, trying to keep a level head. Doesn't mean it's easy, but I guess I'm just saying the things that I talk about on this show are so real to me. And I'm talking about them the best way that I possibly can and sharing like, hey, I'm human, just like you. Don't put me on a pedestal. I have issues. I have things I'm praying about, things I'm trying to grow from, things I've learned. Like, you know, just balancing life with all these things, man. So I just wanted to share that. Like, so, you know, thank you to anybody who ever prays for me in any kind of way. I'm definitely praying for y'all. And um, pray for more good news, you know. But, you know, in life, it's just there's sometimes you go through a season where there's just a lot of things coming your way and you're trying to sort them out like you don't know. And that's where really faith comes in at. So um, I'm just thankful that, you know, the Lord is with me and protects me and guides me through times of unknown when I don't know he does know. So that's that. Just wanted to share that. And today is all about NFTs, right? Non-fungible tokens. You might have heard the term NFT. If you haven't, the goal today is to really give you a, an overview of just like for a regular person overview. So just like we did with cryptocurrency, you know, it's the idea is that if you're a person that's an expert, this might be, you know, beneath you or something like that. I'm really trying to keep it super practical, high level with all of these like digital economy, business topics. You could go so deep into the details and get really technical. We're going to try to stay away from most of that and just talk about this topic in a way where regular everyday people can understand. And then it'll be up to you. How do you feel about this? How do you value it? Right. And I want to say, like, if anybody who's like, why are we talking about these topics, Jay? Like, why are you going here? Here's the thing with me. I always say education is more powerful than fear. And people tend to fear the unknown. So whenever it's something that you don't understand, people tend to fear it. And I always look at history to try to understand the future. That's how I try to think through critically what's happening. I look at like, well, what already happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are some breakthrough technologies or innovations that have already happened in the past? And I think for me, I've been able to live through some amazing technology. Like, this is just a very interesting time to be alive and to be born during the time that I was. And the reason I say that is because the way I view life is I try to understand the times that I'm living in historically. So if I was alive in, the, I think, the early 1900s, maybe the, the car was created. I think that's maybe when Henry Ford was doing that. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on the time. But if I was alive during that time, I would genuinely be trying to understand, like, okay, based on when I'm alive during the time when a, a car, a vehicle, this is the new technology. We're going away from horses and wagons and walking to driving. Let me fully understand what this means for the time that I live in, right? And I would have tried to maximize my gifts, my talents, my abilities, and also my knowledge and understanding during that time. Same thing, if I was alive during the civil rights era, I would have really tried to do a good job of understanding the value of like, all right, this is the time that I live in. What does that mean? And I think most of us live 
again, you know, I talk a lot about consumers and contributors. Consumers tend to live in their emotions. All right. So consumers get so consumed with how they feel about stuff. I always say there's a scripture in the word that says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Be careful when you're living based on what it seems like to you. You don't know it. You haven't studied it. You ain't really sure, but it seems this way. I never trust myself fully just because something seems a certain way. Now, that's different than trusting your gut or having discernment. Those things are good. But when you live your entire life and base your whole ideology and principles and standards based on how you feel, it's really a lazy way of approaching life because what you're saying is, I don't really want to learn, so I'm going to just feel my way through life. All right? Uh, that's, to me, that's trusting yourself a little too much. Like, you're not God. You can't just feel your way through everything. You can trust your gut and, you know, you can discern and have a feeling sometimes, but everything can't be a feeling. Some things you got to know. You know, it's like me. Like, I've never been to dental school a day in my life, but imagine you walk into the dental office and I'm sitting there and you like, hey, bro, you ever did a root canal? I'm like, no, nah, but I got a feeling that everything's going to be all right. Oh, all right. Anyway, you don't want to have a feeling. I'm going to knock out about three, four of your teeth if I just go off what it feels like. So why are we talking about NFTs, the digital world and economy? It's because, you know, I've shared with y'all, number one, I'm only sharing it with y'all. I've been I've put in seven months, I think, of studying this stuff. Um, I think I started really diving deeply in May. I want to say it was May. If I'm not mistaken, I was looking at some notes yesterday. My notes on my cell phone uh, tend to have started deeply around May. Um, and I wasn't like keeping track because I wasn't studying stuff to like share it with people, to be honest. It's just I studied and the more I learned, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Now, again, I was involved in some of this stuff in 2017. I first started looking at this stuff. But around May this year, I really dove in and I've put in hours, like probably hundreds of hours of studying. So. With that said, my point is I'm talking about it because I'm understanding and anticipating and speculating the time historically that I'm living in. And I think it's my responsibility to understand what this means and also to share it with y'all. So that's why we're talking about this stuff. Here's the other part before I dig in, uh, dive into it. It's like this. You know, it, I look at people who are afraid of the unknown, that's, that's okay. I think that's normal. There are some things that, I, that bother me too about a lot of things that I study. But it's kind of like when you're debating somebody, like people come on my Facebook posts and stuff sometimes when they disagree. And I have some people, some of y'all, like you might DM me and we have a conversation because you want to understand or you disagree or, you know, something, you know, you're like, I don't see it that way. That's cool. I've had plenty of those conversations with people who listen to this show and I appreciate it. That's different than people who just jump on my post and insult me because they disagree. What that always tells me is like, oh, you don't have an intelligent answer. You just don't like how this makes you feel, how what I said makes you feel, but you're not actually sure how to articulate why. So you just go off the feeling and call me an idiot, stupid. I don't know economics. I don't know. This. I mean, I've been called a lot of things on the Facebook post. So my point is. It's okay if you don't like something, but I think you should understand it. 
It's okay if something bothers you where the world's going or if you anticipate or speculate that this is going to lead to this and this is going to lead to that. Like, there's a lot of things that concern me about just the world in general. But as I always say, I, I always think that it's proper to educate ourselves. And that way, when, when you don't like something, you can have an educated reason for why you don't like it. But you can also have an educated, strategic approach to not being involved in something. So you can know exactly why I'm not involved or how I'm not going to be involved. And so anyway, that's why we talk about some of these forward thinking things. And this show is about faith and business. So there you have it. For anybody who wants to hear more topics or, you know, want to share topics that you're interested in, please do email me, JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. As always, you can look in the description of the show and you can see links to things like my email or listening to my music or the website. Those are things that you can link into very easily looking at the description of the show. Also, whenever we do have guests, you can also look in there and most times see their information as well. Now, let's get into NFTs for regular people. Okay, now, as stated, in order to understand the future, we're going to look into the past. This is why I love the fact that you have things like newspaper articles archived and things that we could go back and look on. And even as we, like, live through this pandemic, I think one of the biggest concerns that I have is that people just live so much in the moment that we say any crazy thing, like fearful thing, anything just to get people excited in the moment. And we never go back and truly fact check. I'm not talking about this fake Internet fact checking where, oh, they just if you talk about COVID, Instagram will put on there here. Click this for COVID resources. No, we're talking about true facts. Going back and looking at what people said, what people predicted, how people talked. And then looking at what really happened. That's how you fact check. There's a lot of false prophecies out here that are being like nobody's holding them accountable. It's like, yo, you a scientist, a doctor or this. We use these titles, an expert. We use these titles to kind of like give us credibility to say any and every crazy thing to people. And then nobody goes back when you wrong and be like, hey, like you said this was going to happen. It didn't happen. And you had me scared and you you said it as a fact. You didn't say it as speculation or a thought, whatever. So what we're going to do, we're going to go back and look at an article from the New York Times. And this is from January 5th, 1998. Woo, we going, what's that, 20-something years ago? Almost 24 years. Like, so let's look at this. Like, man, some of y'all listening to this show might not have even been alive. I was alive during this time. and. I was um, a teenager, but old enough to know kind of like at least like, ooh, the, the world is going to end. It's, it was a big thing when you were coming to the year 2000. So here is this article. And we're just going to skim a little bit of it to make my point. This was by Saul Hansel, and it was January 5th, 1998. The headline reads, Waiting for Millennium Panic Level to Rise. Now, I want you to pause and just think about how People talk in the news, how how articles and headlines get your attention, waiting for the panic level to rise. Right. And that the same way people talked about the millennium is the same way I see us talking about COVID living in the fear of it. Again, don't get me. I'm not trying. I don't want to get into trying to compare that directly. That's not the point here. I know that COVID really is dangerous. I know that um, there are aspects. People have lost their lives. My heart goes out to anybody who has been truly sick. So I'm not trying to make a direct comparison there. 
I'm only now talking about the way people talk about things to to provoke fear within you, right? Like, that's what I'm talking about. So here's how this article reads, just looking at the beginning. For several years, technological doomsdayers have bleated a dark prophecy of computerized chaos to be brought on the inability of many computers to interpret dates after 1999. Repair your programs now, they intone, or be prepared for your systems to freeze in millennial ice. Though it has been hard to know how seriously to take these predictions, with less than two years to go, clues are emerging. Much of the evidence supports the view that the year 2000 problem is indeed a big deal. And computer users are slowly coming to this realization. By all accounts, the, uh, the activity devoted to the problem will substantially pick up this year. Okay, enough about the article itself. Here's what I want you to take from that. When you're trying to understand something that hasn't happened yet, you don't always know. <laughs> and so my biggest thing with COVID or how people talked about the year 2000 or the internet or any new technology is we try to talk in terms of absolute understanding with something that hasn't happened yet. And my whole thing about a lot of this is I need to be educated on the pros and cons, the ins and outs, but I also don't know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm saying that to you to say that there are aspects of what we'll talk about today. Maybe I'll speculate a little bit or share my opinion about where I think things might go or how they can go. But it's important for you to know that, listen, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not uh, speaking a prophecy today. Like, I'm just sharing with you what I do know. We're looking at things to understand something that is yet unknown. And also this thing that we don't know will continue to evolve as time goes. Again, just like the Internet, back in 1999, we were scared that the Internet couldn't read the date 2000 and couldn't figure it out between 2000 and 1900. Nobody's worried about that anymore. Why? Because computers have advanced and we have a much greater understanding of the Internet and what it is. So nobody's walking around. Actually, what's crazy is back then we were talking about Internet's in a computer in 1998. Back then, nobody was walking around with the Internet on their phone or most people probably wasn't even walking around with a phone to the level that we have now. In addition to that, you definitely didn't have an internet in your watch. Like, I mean, I have a smart watch, you know, shout out to my father, bought it for my birthday last year. And it's like, cool. Like I'm, I could talk to you from my watch. You could talk to me from your glasses. I went and looked at some Ray-Ban smart glasses. They're a little creepy. It's a part of me to kind of want them just cause I like technology sometimes, like it creeps you out, but it's kind of sweet. But these Ray-Ban glasses are frustrating to me because they literally are like cameras. People can t just be walking and recording you and taking pictures. Like this is where from a privacy perspective, I have a huge problem with things. But nevertheless, what's my point? Nobody's afraid anymore about can the Internet read the date? So sometimes when we talk about things just to provoke fear and get people to be afraid. And I tell you all the time, be careful what you let make you afraid because that's what can control you. Whatever people can use to make you afraid, they can use to control you. Again, 1998, 1999, it was the internet. So what did people do? They were scared about Y2K. So they went to the grocery stores and bought all the water, just like people were scared about COVID and bought all the tissue. Now, I don't know how you choose what is more important, water, tissue, I don't know why it was tissue last year, but it was. What's my point? Whenever you see fear, then you got to step back and say, yo, education is more powerful than fear. 
It's time for me to educate myself. So now that we understand that there can be uncertainty about the future and that we don't have to necessarily just talk in absolutes when it hasn't happened yet, we can look at what we do know. We can educate ourselves. We can be intrigued by the idea of what is possible to happen. But we could also know that it might not be mad, as bad as the internet, uh, not the internet, the newspaper articles say. It might be worse. I don't know. But it's a lot of people that like to prophesy during times of uncertainty. And I'm just a little hesitant to do that. I would rather educate myself and let God send the word or the prophet. Like, I'm not like, a, you know, against what God might say or lead us to or whatever. I'm just saying it seems like everybody wants to be that voice that, you know, just says the craziest thing. And it's like, well, if nobody's going to fact check you later, nobody's going to go back and pull up your article and see what you said about it. Then you sound like a genius today. Or maybe you just get attention today because people love attention and that attention might sell some of their products or merchandise or whatever it is. Or it just might stroke their ego and like make them famous and like, oh, I'm the best doctor in the world. Oh, I'm the best scientist or whatever it is or I'm the computer expert. At the end of the day, I think you got my point. NFTs for regular people. So the first thing we want to discuss as it relates to NFTs is like, what is an NFT? All right, non-fungible token. So let's start with first, an NFT is a digital asset with a unique signature. All right, so let's just pause right there. We regular people, we just want to understand this from a regular perspective, right? It's a digital asset with a unique signature. And this signature can be proven on the blockchain. So look at it as like, you know, when you get your, you sell a car and you get your title signed or whatever, you got to like take it to the um, secretary of state to like prove, you know, to like officially stamp or prove that this is authentic, right? So that is a tangible physical asset. That deed or that title is a physical asset, um, one form of one to prove, or or maybe the the maybe the deed itself isn't the asset, but it is the proof of the asset. So the asset may be the car that the deed is for. The signature isn't on the car. So you don't go and write it, right? So if you have a car, so let, let's let's take a step back. You have a car. That's your physical asset. Well, in order to prove that you own that car, you don't sign it on the car, right? You sign it on the on the title, on the registration, the deed, or a house is a deed. You get my point. And you take that somewhere to be authenticated, Secretary of State. All right. For a digital asset, right, it's, it's the same way. But the signature is proven on the blockchain. Now, if you don't understand what blockchain is, you want to go and look, listen to episode like three or four episodes ago. So it's 140 something. Um, it's about the metaverse. And then I also did another episode about cryptocurrency for regular people. You want to listen to those to understand what is the blockchain, right? Like, I'm not going to do a deep dive into that because we already talked about it. But the blockchain itself, this is where this signature, this transaction is confirmed and improved. It's public, a public ledger. All right, you got that part? An NFT is a digital asset, but it can be proven that there is a unique owner to this asset. Just like physical assets, you can prove, hey, officer, here's my license, my registration, right? Proof that you own it. Here's my insurance. There's something that proves that you have this thing called insurance. Something that proves an asset. 
So NFT is the asset itself. It is digital in nature, but the blockchain is where the proof of the asset happens. All right, we regular people. We getting this now. Now, when you think about um, something like, um, I think, fungible, like if, if you think about the idea of a fungible, it's like something that can be replaced within, with something else that's identical. Because we're trying to figure out, too, like what is, I get, okay, a digital asset, but what is the whole fungible, non-fungible thing? Where, where does that come in at? All right, so when you understand like fungible would be like a quarter. If you give me a quarter, I can replace it for a quarter anywhere in the world, and it's worth the exact same thing simply because it's a quarter. Like, they all the same color. They all made out of the same material. Like, you get what I mean? Like, it's a quarter. It's interchangeable. It's fungible. Your quarter is not worth more than my quarter. So it's two identical things that can be swapped for each other. And like literally all of the properties are identical in nature as far as the value goes, right? Maybe one quarter was made in 1975, another one was made in 1995, but it's still fungible even though it has unique attributes. Those attributes don't change the value. The unique attributes of a fungible item does not change the value of that item. Therefore, those two items can be interchanged equally. Now, when we think about non-fungible, right? So these digital tokens, these digital NFTs that are non-fungible in nature, what it means is that they are not all the same and that they do have unique, um, a unique nature to them, which also allows them to be valued at various prices. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. We're going to walk through these things, right? So a couple of different ways. First, NFTs can be a collection. Now, what I want to do to make sure that you understand some of this stuff is I'm going to use examples of everyday stuff that you already deal with today. And then I'm going to compare that to the NFT so that you can understand it in a way that your mind is already used to thinking. So let's talk collections. A collection. Now, let's use something you used to. Let's use a car. Right. Let's say there's a special edition of a new Corvette coming out, which there is a new special edition of a Corvette coming out in 2022. I watched a whole Amazon mini documentary on it, and I kind of want it. That mug is cold. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know how I got into that. But there, let's say there's a special edition of a new Corvette coming out. Now, this special edition may mean, hey, this is a race car package. So let's say, I forget what the new one is called, the Z06, Z something, right? This means that, hey, you got your regular Corvette, but in this special edition, this is basically bringing race car like technology and performance to the street level. So it's faster. The seats are a little different. Everything is a little different. It's a special edition. So let's say with this special collection, like a lot of the value in the collection is based on the overall supply. This is where supply and demand comes in. At. All right. So here's what I mean. Let's say they say. We're only making 500 of these Corvettes. Now, with the regular base level Corvette, you can drive down the street, right? And 100 people got your car. This happens all the time when you buy a car that you never noticed, never saw on the street before. Let's say you, you never see Mustangs. Then you buy a, a blue Mustang, and now you see Mustangs every day, right? But their Mustang might look just like yours. Again, it's like, okay, you got the one I got. All right. Not a special collection. 
No, it's it's fungible, like, you know, to a certain extent. Yours is just like mine. But here's where this unique nature of a collection comes in. Hey, we don't, they only made 500 of these. And I got the only blue one. Now that increases the value because that's an authentic Corvette. It could be proven. You can open the door, see Corvette in there. This isn't like a um a generic copycat payless version of uh the Jordans. Like it, no, this is a real, a real Corvette. It could be the signature can be proven that it's real. So it has a lot of value because it also has a rarity to it. So the supply is so low, there's only one blue one in North America. It's valued at a lot more from that perspective, okay? So now, when you think about collections, collections can, can be copies or variations. So if you think about a copy, in the example I just gave about the Corvette, maybe there are, you know, only one blue, but maybe there's 10 red. But out of the 10 red, only five of them have a black interior. You get how you could change all these elements? You can have a collection of something, and they're all different. No two are the same, because maybe you got a red, I got a red, but you got black rims, I got gray. There brings a unique nature in a collection. Now, as you think about NFTs, right, this is a digital asset. So let's say I release a collection of NFTs. They're going to be, you know, 10 pictures of dogs. But it's pre-programmed to, for all of the dogs to be 100% unique. No two dogs are all the way the same. So this is a collection because they are all dogs. There's something similar in nature. However, there's always something unique. Maybe one dog has on glasses. One glass dog has on a hat. But no two dogs, if yours have on a hat, mine have on a hat, mine is black, yours is white. Whatever it is, they're not two the same. So what does this do, right? I'm trying to get your mind. We are cryptocurrency NFTs for regular people, okay? So now you have this art collection, a digital asset that has only 10 available. So we know that the low supply creates some rarity to it in this collection. And now they're all unique. So if I put those on the open market to sell them, then some people may be willing to pay more for the one with glasses because maybe you wear glasses and you value artwork where an animal wears glasses. Another one may like the white dog because they had a dog that was white and their dog died and this reminds them of their dog. So this digital asset or digital piece of art has more value to them. So they're willing to pay more for that non-fungible unique token than they are for the black one because it has more value to them. A huge part of NFTs, in order to understand them, you have to understand value. And here's the thing. We can't tell people what to value. You can't tell me that, hey, it's, you might think it's stupid for somebody to pay $1,500 for some Gucci shoes, but you can't make it not valuable to them in that way, right? So, like, for me personally, I, I'm not into that. I don't, uh, a $400 Gucci t-shirt means nothing to me. Like, I don't want that. You get what I mean? But I can't stop the thousands of, to millions of people who do go and spend $400 on a Gucci shirt for whatever reason, right? Value is a very personal thing at times. So, NFTs, art collection, digital assets, doesn't have to be art, but a digital asset that has a unique nature to it. Now, we're going to talk about how 
Well, what happens when there's an NFT collection and there's a hundred of them that are the same? Well, here's the difference, just like in the real world. If something only has one or 10 of them, like the lower the supply, right, doesn't mean automatically it's going to cost more or be uh, worth more, but it means depending on how people value it, if it's rare, it has a greater opportunity to be worth more. So some people are willing to pay more for things that are rare. All right, so now let's go to the next part of this. We talked about collections and copies, and hopefully you're starting to at least understand a little bit of like, okay, NFTs, a digital asset with the, it's signed on the blockchain so it could be proven that I own this if I own it or whoever does own it, it could be proven. All right, so here's what I want to uh, kind of tackle next. I want to answer this question. Are NFTs stupid? There are a lot of people that think NFTs are stupid. Maybe you know about them. Maybe you, maybe you don't. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe you're not. Maybe this challenges you. I don't know. But this whole idea of like, are NFTs stupid? This is what we do. We see something we don't fully understand, and we just say what we feel. We express what we feel, and that's okay. Maybe even after you learn about them, you may still think it's stupid. But I think it's much more valuable, huh, I guess, pun intended with the word value, for me to think something is stupid because I'm educated on it and I understand versus I think something is stupid simply because I don't have an intelligent understanding or reasoning behind how I feel. It's just a feeling because I don't really know what it is. All right. So part of, again, why we talk about this kind of stuff, I'm not here to tell you how to feel. That's not my goal. I'm not here to um, sway you one way or another. Like you are very capable. That's what I love about this show. The listeners are very intelligent, smart, independent people. You are capable of thinking for yourself. You don't listen to this show for me to tell you how to think or what to think. However, hopefully it could be educating and informative. So are NFTs stupid? You ask the question, why would someone value a digital asset? And I'll answer it this way. The same reason someone would value a red Corvette. Now, you might be like, that's not the same. But I want you, again, remember, we like to go back to the past to understand the future. Now, I, I don't, I'm not going to pull up a, um, an actual article or something from the past on this one, but I want you to just use your imagination. Think about when cars were first created. So I guess we, is that the early 1900s? I think I mentioned that. Did I mention that early already? Whatever. But if you go back to when cars were first created, I bet the horse owners didn't understand why someone would value a machine over a living creature, right? Horses still have value today. But a horse owner back then, I would imagine when everybody was taking a horse to get everywhere, a horse really meant something. Now, I'm going to say something to you. I, I mean, I drive by houses where people own horses, but I don't know nobody personally where somebody owns a horse. Like, none of my friends own a horse. All of them own a car. So. People a hundred and something years later seem to have very little value for a horse and a lot of value for a car, whereas the people who were living when horses were the dominant asset to have for transportation, they probably looking like, yo, I'm used to like touching it. My horse got a name and like all this stuff. Like, no, nah, we don't got a horse. We got a Mustang. That's our horse. Like it's a picture of the horse on the logo. That's about it. Maybe I call my Mustang Betsy. But other than that, no, like we don't have no value for a horse. So I want you to stop and ask yourself, you know, are you the horse owner 
that thinks a car is stupid because you don't understand a car? Or do you lack vision? Or do cars scare you because you're like, whoa, a lot of accidents can happen or a lot of bad things can happen from a car or like the devil is in the car, like whatever you might think about it, right? Now, I think it's important for me to say this, like there are things that could be bad and good. They're things. So if you go back and you were that horse owner in 1900 who was afraid of cars because your reasoning was that people would get hurt. Well, guess what? In the last hundred years, I don't know how many car accidents have happened, but it's been a lot of them. You were right. Like cars are dangerous. A lot of people have died in cars. A lot of people have done bad things, ran people over in cars. Cars have been misused and abused like probably thousands of times, hundreds of thousands of times in the last hundred years. So what is my point? A lot of times when we want to have a dark prophecy or like, you know, prediction. Yeah. Okay. You probably right. Because it's human nature to mess stuff up. So you're not going to get no argument from me that whether it's NFTs or uh, cryptocurrency or something else, that there might not be a whole bunch of bad that comes from this stuff. I'm just simply thinking through it in a way of like, but I don't see none of us today that's like, I don't want a car. Now, we might try to improve the car, improve the safety measures. Uh, That's why we have crash dummies. Now you have electric cars to um, kind of save, you know, some of the toxicity on the environment. What is my point? Human nature is like we do a lot of good. We do a lot of bad. So a lot of bad things happen in cars. They created cars. It was bad for the environment. Like a bunch of bad things happen because of cars. But a bunch of good things happen from cars, too. And I'm sure you've either bought or sold a car before, which means there's a business aspect to cars as well. And I love to understand the business. Remember, this show is about balancing faith and business to guide you to your purpose. I love business and I love thinking about business in a way of like, am I the horse owner that is completely shutting down a car because I don't understand like the pros and cons of it? Now, is there anybody today that thinks it's a sin to own a car dealership? I'm going to wait for you to answer. Is it a sin to make money selling a car? Have you ever made money selling a car. Would it be a sin if I told y'all, hey, Inspire Guys people, we own the Chevy dealership up the street now. Come and support. No, nobody thinks like that. Maybe somebody in 1900 did. Maybe like it was like just the end of the world for them because they didn't understand it. Now, again, I'm not on either side. This is I'm trying to be objective about the idea that, yes, there are things, there are pros and cons to things. And you got to critically think through this and you got to pray and you got to ask God for direction because I don't have all the answers for you about what to do or how to do it. I just know that these are the realities of the world that I live in in the time that God decided for me to be alive. Remember, none of us decided to be born. God created us. He actually intended us to live in this time purposely. There's a reason for that. And I don't think the reason is just about consuming things. And I also don't think that it's wrong to be a contributor. Uh, why is it that, oh, it, w- it would be a sin if I owned a car dealership, but it's perfectly okay for me to be upside down in a car loan every three to four years and never be able to afford my car note and my insurance and to be poor because I have a depreciating asset that is just worth less and less every single year, every moment, even though that might be a little different um, in this last year as even used cars have appreciated in value. All right, let's move on from that. So let's think about value. Okay. And I want you to think 
We're still answering this question, are NFTs stupid? Here's some things I want you to think about. Trading cards. Now, trading cards are, if I use basketball cards, which I used to collect basketball cards, I actually still have a few. Have Michael Jordan, couple Michael Jordan, couple Grand Hill, Kareem Olajuwon, Olajuwon, Reggie Miller. I still got some basketball cards. Um, but I will say none of the basketball cards I own are rare enough to be worth any significant amount of money. That's something I didn't understand that part when I was collecting cards as a kid. I was just collecting my favorite players, but I didn't understand that in trading cards, there might be a Michael Jordan rookie card where there were only 20 made or something. And that might go for $500,000 today, a million dollars today. Why? Because, hey, what condition is it in? How many of them did they make? Now, again, trading cards is pretty normal. All right. Those have value. Those sell for millions of dollars. Just Google football or basketball cars, literally there are some that have sold for millions of dollars this year that somebody bought for $300,000 four years ago, right? An asset, a physical asset that can be proven that it's authentic, it's authenticated, and that it's rare. That's a physical asset, a trading card. So now I want you to think about an NFT. All right. There are NFTs, um, I actually, so, so now we're going to do like some real, like real interactive type, um, real life today. I want you to think about, I want, if you go to nbatopshot.com, and I'll put the link in the description of this show, NBA Top Shop, so N-B-A-T-O-P-S-H-O-T, Top Shot. So nbatopshot.com. This is how trading cards are evolving in the new digital world of NFTs. Now, again, full transparency, I actually own about five or six of these NFTs. Why? Well, I told you, I grew up trading basketball cards. They had value to me because I'm a basketball fan, and I just like collecting things sometimes that may increase in value in the future, or in my case with the current cards that I have, really are worth nothing because so many of them exist. They're not rare enough and they're probably in mint condition because, I mean, they, they're in cases, but they're not perfect condition. However, nbatopshot.com. So I went on there and what they do now is they have something called moments. And this is how NFTs, again, we're talking about what NFTs are and also trying to understand how they're going to exist in the world that we live in. So this is just information. I'm not telling you to go buy NBA Top Shot NFTs. Again, full transparency, I do own some. Thought it was pretty cool. They have moments. They're video moments that you can own. Just like NBA trading cards, they have differing rarity. Um, some of them, there's thousands of them that exist. Some of them, there's only five. If there's only five of them, it might cost more. There are some NFTs on this marketplace, and you can go to the website that are literally selling for thousands of dollars. Meaning there might be a LeBron James, it's a video moment because it's a digital asset. So you own this video moment just like you would own a trading card and you can resell it if you want. I've actually resold my first um, NBA Top Shop in NFT and I actually made a substantial amount of money in comparison to what I paid for it, although it's not a substantial amount of money as based on value. So what's my point? You could resell these items and they could be worth thousands of dollars or they could be worth Dollars of dollars like mine was. So here's an example. You go on NBA Top Shop, Top Shot. I go in there, I buy a pack of cards, digital cards. 
You open it digitally. And first of all, I was in line. It was 30,000 people in line. But they email you when it's your turn, so I didn't have to wait. And you open a pack. I paid $5 for a pack. Open up a pack. You don't know what's in it. Just like how when I was a kid, the feeling you had. Open it. Don't know what's in it. I got three cards. I got three regular random cards, right? Um, so I'm like, all right, I only paid $4 for it. I got these little video moments. It's cool. And here's what happened. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put one of them for sale because I want to understand NFTs. I want to, this is what you got to understand about me. I want to understand something before I write it off. I want to understand how it works and maybe I like it and maybe I don't, but at least my opinion is educated. That's how, that's my thinking, right? I'm not saying you got to think like me. I don't know everything. I don't know if I'm right. But I put, I paid $4 for three moments. And I put one of them on the marketplace for $12 and it sold. So I bought three cards for $4, sold one of them for $12 and still own the other two. Then used the $12 to buy another pack that opened and I got a better card. I got a D-Wade card or a moment and it was D-Wade against the Pistons. Y'all know I'm from Detroit. So I'm like, yo, and it's D-Wade. Although it's not rare, it's D-Wade, so it has more value than the ones I had. So just in a small example, I leveraged $4 to buy NFTs, make $12, still own two of them that have very little value. I could probably get $4 for those both. But then I bought another moment that's worth more than the $12. Maybe I can get $20 for that. Anyway, that's a real-life example of one of the ways that NFTs already exist. Listen, people. It's a difference between being a consumer and a contributor. This already exists. Right now, it, it takes all takes place on the blockchain. It's a, it's a blockchain called Flow, actually. The Flow blockchain. And I'm going to just say this in a little more full transparency with you. Because I went on there and experienced this, and I'm not telling you to do this. This is not me telling you what to do. I almost don't even like telling you none of my business at all because I just don't like to make this stuff personal. But here's the thing. I like it. And Flow went and made a partnership with the NFL, and I believe they're going to be releasing NFL moments this month. And NFL is more valuable than the NBA. Um, it's just a more valuable league. It's the number one league in the U.S. So you know what I did? I went and invested in flow. I'm like, yo, I like this. I could see this going somewhere. Looked at the details behind the company, looked at other partnerships that they have, looked at the blockchain, what it does, what it is. And I'm like, you know what? This doesn't bother me. Like NBA moments, that's not the devil to me. That's not, it's just video clips. If that's the case, YouTube videos should be the devil to me if I got a problem with this. So again, one of the things that I'm trying to kind of like inform people about is that like everything is different dynamics to something. So you can't just say like, oh, the Internet is a sin. The Internet is the devil. Well, it, it might lead to the devil in a hundred different ways, but you still checked your email. <laughs> you still bought that T-shirt from whatever your favorite fashion website is. So what am I saying is that there are broader dynamics to how we leverage these things. Now, we talked about cryptocurrency for regular people. We're talking NFTs today. But what I just described to you was both. Flow is a cryptocurrency. The NBA moment is an NFT built on the Flow blockchain. Again, if you go back and listen, Flow blockchain is kind of the system 
the token is flow and you leverage that token. You can also actually use USD on their uh, platform, which is by Dapper Labs, I think is the name of their company. Uh, you know, companies go by different names. So anyway, long story short, enough about that example. Not to dig in too much. I'm not telling you, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not telling you to go and invest in flow. Don't go take all your money. Do research on your own. Don't just listen to people and go put your money into things because I could be completely wrong, just like the New York Times headline, and you could lose all your money. So be careful whenever you are investing and when you're learning about things and how to leverage finances and resources. But I'm sharing these things with you because as a contributor, like I'm not waiting on the world to educate me on things. I'm trying to encourage any and everyone to go and you go and you educate yourself before this stuff is even mainstream, before people. Look, most people I talk to, I've never actually talked to somebody that knows what I'm talking about right now even exists. And I already own several NBA moments. Now, again, maybe these are worth nothing. Maybe they're never worth more than $5, but I ain't really put that much money in it to start off with as it relates to buying the cars. Now, flow itself, that's a different story. It don't matter how much I put in, put in or didn't. I'm just explaining to you as an example how all these things start coming together. Let's keep it moving with a couple more examples. What about expensive art? Okay, expensive artwork is something that people tend to understand. Now, keep in mind, as we use these different examples with NFTs, just like things in real life, the value is based on supply, who the creator is, what your relationship is, etc. So I'm gonna give a throw out a couple fast examples. Expensive art. A Van Gogh painting, one painting is worth upwards of 70, 80 million dollars, right? What you have to ask yourself, why is that? Well, number one, it's an original. It can be proved that it's a work of art from Van Gogh because it has his signature, right? So an original means it has low supply, one of one. And then the provability of it is his signature. Now let's think of that in terms of an NFT. What if you have a digital asset that is one of one, right? And then it could be proven on the blockchain that is open to anyone as a signature to go and say, oh, this is in fact the original. So why would someone pay $90 million, $80 million for a painting that some guy just splashed on? Like, and you can't, what can you do with a painting? You can't drive it like a Corvette. You can't talk to it. Like, it's just on your wall. And it's going to probably make you the man or the woman because if somebody walk in your house and you got a Van Gogh, that is a signature piece. And it's like, yo, like you got to just be real about why do we buy certain things? Why do human beings do certain things? Why do you want a red Corvette? You have a red Corvette. Yeah, you want to drive it as fast, all that. But let's be real. Stop being like, don't be fake with me. Let's just be real. Part of it is you want to pull up and people see your red Corvette or they come to your house and they see the red Corvette. And that has some type of value to you for people to view you more valuable because of something you own. Now, I think that's something you need to be careful with. Notice how the devil can be in the stuff that we already got, like because sin is within us. So it ain't about like being afraid of the NFT like it's like, oh, this is a new type of sin. No, it's like, no, like the same way you could be sinning with a red Corvette or a Van Gogh. You could be arrogant, trying to show off, prideful. Um, lacking humility, humility, vanity, all those things can exist already. So what's my point? It's just understanding, is it stupid or why would someone do it? Well, why would somebody pay $80 million for a Van Gogh? Well, part of it is probably because they got, you know, $600 million or a billion dollars so they can afford a Van Gogh. That's part of this as well. But value is based on different things.
So expensive art, NFT, same way. Some artist comes out with a digital NFT. Um, I could tell you that uh, Beeples, Beeples is one of them. Um, it sold for $69 million. This was a regular dude. I actually watched him in an interview online. Just look up the Beeples um, NFT. Just Google it. $69 million. This guy went around, I think, for five years and took a picture, one picture every single day for five years, put that in a collage, minted it as an NFT, and auctioned it off, and it sold for $69 million. Now, again, you could say, why would anybody want to own that for $69 million? And it's probably going to be the same way somebody would want to own a Van Gogh. But the thing that most of us are having a hard time wrapping our minds around is why would someone value something digital as more or equal to something physical? Now, this is the question that we should be trying to answer. And some of the answer is in the metaverse, and we talked about that on the episode. But some of it is our own fault right now. I want to ask you, how do you use social media? Again, just a quick example. There are hundreds of things that I do that y'all never know about. Now, I'm not saying I, I don't like using myself. You know what? It's uncomfortable using yourself because it sounds like, you know, you're saying you're the example. I don't know if I want to use that. I don't, I don't want to use myself. Uh, all right. Let's just say hypothetical. Let's say hypothetical. All right, fellas, you take your wife to Hawaii. You take your wife to Hawaii and you, let's say, let's be real. You go there within 10 minutes of being there. We all know if we follow you on Instagram and Facebook, we know everything about what you're doing in Hawaii that you're doing. You showing us the food, the clothes, the water, the car you drove, the sunset. Like, and I'm keep in mind, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. This isn't my point. I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just dealing with what we already do. What does that mean? Where does those things take place at? That's all digital. That's literally digital. Now we think of it as physical, I guess, because it's a picture or video of something that is happening. Physically, for real, it ain't a cartoon version of you in Hawaii, but you might have had some filters on it. It's digital. Can't put no filters on real life. What is my point? My point is that the metaverse and NFTs don't blame them for being the reason that people value digital more than physical. Blame yourself for what you do today. I tell y'all all the time, I got friends and family who will video and digital you to the end of time. But it's very hard to get people to spend real life time with you. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to my friends that we link up in real life. We just went to the show uh, with some friends this week and had a great time. You know what I'm saying? We did a, a couple's night with friends and family this weekend, had a great time. Like, shout out to y'all because what I'm saying is that those are the real life moments that matter. Those are the people that are actually seeing with their actions that the physical still matter. But some of us are saying no. Even though I'm here with you physically, it doesn't have value to me until I release it into the virtual world of Instagram, social media, Facebook. It, do, it isn't valuable to me to be in Hawaii until I show everybody I'm in Hawaii. Who are you showing? You're showing your digital friends, your online friends for digital reactions. Not real life. Nobody in real life walks up to you and say, like, like, heart, hug. No. 
You're doing sharing these things for digital reactions. This isn't real, people. This is the reason I'm saying this is not because I hate this stuff. It's not because I'm not on social media and I don't share pictures sometimes or pictures are the devil. It's just like, again, I want to think intelligently and logically about what I'm saying, even if I'm criticizing something, because I watch people all the time pick up their phone and literally scroll on TikTok or Instagram. They could do this for an hour. Just scroll. Well, what do you think that is? It's not real. It's digital. You are valuing the digital more than the physical when you do that because whatever you could be doing in the physical world isn't as valuable as the hour you're about to spend taking your index finger and swiping up. That's just what people do. So, said all of that to say, before you question, well, why would somebody why would somebody pay $69 million for a digital piece of art? Or why do people want digital NFTs? It's because what has happened in our world, for better or worse, and I don't fully like this, I'm just being transparent on this, this is one of the things that concern me just in general, is that we as human beings have put so much value on the digital. I don't mind the digital existing, but it's like we have no discipline around, and I'm exaggerating when I say we have no discipline, because I know a lot of y'all know how to tap in and out. Like, I got a lot of people that they don't, you know, you don't see on Instagram for a minute. You, you don't share every moment. And again, I'm not here to judge those who do. I'm only here to point out that you do it. So what's my point? At the end of the day, can you go to Hawaii and not tell anybody? Can you go, and when I say not tell anybody, digitally. Like, can you have any experience that you only value the physical value of the experience and not the digital? Now, see, I, because I'm conscious of this, this is something that I try to do. You know, I do stuff all the time and I don't, like, Actually, most of most of the stuff I do, I never say unless you know me. I never post. I don't like again. But again, that's not. That's not to say that's not to be legalistic or say I'm better because I don't. I'm just saying that I'm conscious of the fact that there seems to be a struggle between the digital and physical. And I have to fight that in my life. And that's your decision what to do. But don't tell me. That it's a sin to be a contributor, but it ain't a sin to consume it for five hours. So it's like, I'm just pointing out, before you criticize somebody for selling an NFT or buying an NFT, make sure you criticize yourself for scrolling on Instagram for an hour. Like, because that might be something like, that's a waste of time. Like, you know, I don't value that. I don't do that personally. Like, I was, it, that doesn't make sense to me. But it also ain't for me to call that wrong. What I'm saying is it's easy to call everything everybody else does stupid while you're doing the same thing in a different way. That's the overall point. All right, so we talked about Beeples. Went for $69 million. There are other NFTs. Um, and this was a, a regular person that did this, by the way, um, which also means that there are things you could do um, as a contributor. Again, now what do I want to say? We talked about the metaverse. So real quick, um, we did a whole episode on the metaverse. I'm not going to talk about it now, but one of the metaverses that have kind of really rose in popularity is the sandbox. And there was just, according to the Wall Street Journal, um, a week or two ago, there was just a plot of land. It might've been a collection of land in the sandbox that went for $4.3 million. Now, again, you're saying that's stupid. Why would somebody pay $4 million for digital real estate? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because we as human beings have started to value the digital more than the physical, and what do I mean by value? How do you truly show what you value? 
It's your time. Where do you spend time? So do you spend more time with your friends and family in real life? Or do you spend more time with them on Facebook, your friends and family? I'll tell you that most people these days in 2021 spend way more time with their friends and family on Facebook. Okay? So the way business works, people want to make money. And they look and say, you know what? People are valuing digital time more than physical time. So we need to own digital assets. This is a business people talking so that we can actually earn revenue off of the time they're spending in the digital world since they're spending less time in the real world. All right. I know that might be deep or tough to wrap our minds around. I'm trying to keep this out of super regular people conversation because I'm just a regular person and you are too. Here's the point I'm making. These metaverses, now I'm going to just give you one example, okay? If I was a real estate agent, we're talking about contributors versus consumers. And I know that it's a couple of real estate agents that listen to this show. So this is just, I'm a, look, man, I, you know what? I'm going to be real with y'all. I really, I really should be charging you for this. <laughs> I would just, can I be real for one second? Like, you, you should be paying me. I'm going to just be real with you. Real. Anyway, I'm joking, but I'm for real. I, I do view this content as valuable. I believe that people could pay for this content. And that's why I value what we do here at Inspire Guys People so much. And by what we do, I mean by what I do. Anyway, and you do by being a listener, supporter, and giving feedback as well. All right. So if I was a real estate, I'm going to just kick a little game to y'all if I was a real estate agent. If I'm in the real estate business, meaning I'm a business person who makes money off of buying and selling or, you know, setting up buyers and sellers for land. I would look at something in a metaverse and say, okay, sandbox. Let me just say, let me look at what it is. Let me study it. Let me see what the pros and cons are. Let's say I'm comfortable with it. Let's say I'm like, hey, I'm not about to spend all day in here, but I understand that people just like online shopping became a thing. People might be shopping in the metaverse one day. People, there are going to be different buildings or whatever there already are. All right, cool. Which means that just like in real life, if people want real estate, what are the things that bring real estate value in real life? Location is the number one thing. Well, this piece of land in the, in the sandbox that sold for $4.3 million, I believe that was the land that was um, by Snoop Dogg. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong about that. Um, I could be wrong about that. That might not have been where the $4.3 million was. That might have been in the fashion district. Okay, so don't quote me on that, but I think the one near Snoop Dogg might have sold for 400000 Either way it goes, just knows that the loc location actually brings value there too. Now, again, there's a fashion district in Decentraland Metaverse, which means that there are going to be a bunch of fashion brands selling stuff there. So if I was a real estate agent, I don't know if a piece of land went for sale and if I had a couple thousand, depending on how much it was, knowing that it appreciates in value and people buy it, like, I don't know. I might be looking into how can I get my hands on a piece of land? Why? Because I am in the business of buying real estate. Now I'm just translating the same things I've learned in the physical to understanding how that impacts the digital. And again, there are going to be different levels of comfort. There might be a person that feel like, I don't like none of this, Jermaine. This is all the devil to me. And honestly, I would encourage you, if you're that person, not to be involved in it. Because I do think, again, just like with the internet, I don't know where everything, where this stuff is going, good or bad. And I don't think you do either, but I could be wrong. But what I am saying is that we have to make these type of decisions for ourselves 
to understand how much we want to or don't want to be involved with something. And I don't think it's a black and white answer like people try to make it. Again, it would be like somebody saying, hey, the internet is the devil. I don't want to be on the internet at all. No, I think there are certain websites for you to be okay with, like how your church had online service this year and you went to that. But maybe there are some bad sites out there, like some X-rated stuff, and you're like, I'm staying completely away from that. And I understand that. So it's not the internet in a black and white way. It's understanding how do I want to drive on the internet highway. And that's how I look at some of the aspects of the digital. Hey, do I want to be on social media all day? Or do I want to make some posts here and there? What is the content of my posts? Is my post about everything that I'm doing every second of my life? No, I value privacy. I value physical time with people and actually sharing more with those people than I would just with everybody out there that I don't know. So yeah, I don't post everything. I keep my content around a certain thing. That's how I choose to leverage social media. You might be totally different. I've seen newborn babies on social media. Now, again, I would never do that, but that's how some people use it. All right. NFTs are also going to come to Instagram probably pretty soon, um, by the way, as well. A couple more things, and then we're going to be out of here. We talked about the metaverse. We talked about NBA Top Shot. We talked about Beeples. I want to show you um, two more things before we out of here. Um, let's see. Which one I want to tackle first? Websites and wallets. So also understand that the nature of websites on Web3, which we talked about Web3 a little bit in um, the cryptocurrency or the metaverse episode. So check those out. If you haven't heard them, you got to go back and listen to this series for regular people and, you know, metaverse cryptocurrency stuff. I'm not going to talk about everything, in every, um, you know, uh, show. That's why I got to break them up because it's a lot of content, still a lot more to share, a lot more to walk through. Please do send me your questions or thoughts around this information at JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. I will happily engage in conversation and dialogue with you. All right, so internet domains, right? So right now we have InspireGuysPeople.com, which is pretty much a very basic website that I never update because I just, I don't have time. I'm just being honest. And website updating is very technical. It takes a lot of time and energy and effort. I just don't have that time. So I hope and pray that I have a digital and I have a digital content person. And also, let's see, like videos and stuff. Like, I'm going to be praying for that. That's what I look for in the future with Inspire Guys people. I don't know when, but it would be great for me to bring somebody on board to um, supporting that stuff. But I don't have the budget for that right now. So don't hit me up asking to, um, for, the, you know, for a paid job right now. I, I don't have that. So what was my point? Sorry, I got sidetracked going off on people about hitting me up. So I mean nothing about that, by the way. Uh, we were, oh, we're talking about domains. So there's a site. Again, I'm trying to give y'all some insight into things that are developing and happening right before your very eyes and trying to allow you to figure out how you could be a contributor, even if being a contributor means informing people just like this. You might be contributing by sharing this episode with someone who doesn't know what an NFT is, Maybe you're an artist or a photographer or, you know, whatever it may be, like you make music like there's a lot of this stuff that, you know, again, would you be as mad about an NFT if somebody paid you sixty nine million dollars for a picture? I'm sure you wouldn't. All right. So unstoppable domains dot com com unstoppable. I can talk unstoppable domains dot com. This is like the leader of like kind of the NFT domain website. This is kind of like how websites, I believe, will likely change or at least the beginning of an evolution of websites and, and domains in the future, right? 
And so what this is is that, and again, it's very important that, to understand that an NFT is a digital asset. It can be anything digital that is an asset that can be uniquely signed and owned by one person, okay? Well, Unstoppable Domains does something really interesting. You can purchase a domain. So I'll give you an example. Right now, I own inspireguyspeople.com, right? That's a domain name, but it's not an NFT. It's centralized. Like, and this is the part about NFTs that I, I really like. I really like that the individual person owns something. Like, and I told y'all in the Metaverse episode that like a huge part of this is decentralization. And like today I own Inspire. I don't own InspireGuysPeople.com. Actually, I pretty much rent it for a certain amount of years. So I might have it for a three-year plan and pay a few hundred dollars a year. Whatever I pay for website hosting and stuff is not cheap. I'll tell you that much. And I always have to renew it. And it gets costly just to own this domain name, right? I don't really own it in that sense. I'm renting it. What Unstoppable Domains does is, A, understand that websites are going to progress, at least I speculate, they're going to progress beyond.com. They already have. You'll see a lot of um, websites for like the tech space or startups with .io. I believe this .nft, .wallet, those things will become more popular in the future. All right. These are two important aspects that I'm going to talk about now. So hopefully y'all are enjoying this content. Please let me know. Email me again. DM me on social media. Share this episode with a friend or somebody if you like this content. So Unstoppable Domains, what they have done is like made NFT websites and domain, NFT domains, not websites. So here's what's interesting. So let's take inspireguyspeople.nft. I can buy that, which, full disclosure, I own that right now. I own it, period. I bought it, all right? This is what I mean. Like, for me, I'm just sharing a little bit with y'all. Like, I believe in being a contributor. I'm not waiting for stuff and waiting for other people. Like, I learn things by the grace of God using the gifts and abilities he's given me. Critically think through how do I want to contribute and participate and whatever. What do I want to stay away from? And I stay away from what I believe I should stay away from. And I engage in what I be, feel comfortable with engaging, at least at the time being. So I own inspireguyspeople.nft. So what's unique about this is this is a domain that I own that I don't have to pay for. I'm not leasing it. I literally own it. This is an important aspect of NFTs. I own it. Same way I will own a car that's fully paid for. I pay for it and I own it and I don't have to renew it every year. And I could do some unique things with this. Now, I'm not going to go too deep in what the capabilities are. Maybe I have to do a whole nother, you know, show on that. Or maybe I do a YouTube video or something to show it. But basically, I could make this the new website so I can make inspireguyspeople.nft a website that you could go to. Or I can make it a wallet. It could do both of these. So let's say you wanted to send me, you know, to Ethereum, you're like, hey, I really like this show. I'm going to send you, that's like $8,000. Ethereum ain't, ain't cheap. But let's say you're like, okay, I'm going to send you 0.3 Ethereum, okay, something like that. You could send 0.3 Ethereum from a cryptocurrency address, and you could just type in inspireguyspeople.nft, or I own another one, inspireguyspeople.wallet. You could send that directly to me, and I could receive cryptocurrency payments through that NFT 
So the domain is an NFT. It's also a wallet. So think Cash App, how you could just cash out money. You could just send that to me. So a person could literally go buy their name. Like you could go buy Jermaine.nft, which probably doesn't exist at this point. I don't know, or maybe expensive. Like, but you can go buy Jermaine.nft. And then let's say in the future, just like people cash happen, if I'm like, oh, send me uh, 0.5, you know, um, Ethereum or send me a 0.2 Bitcoin, you could send that to that name and it'll come into my wallet. So that's one thing. But I also can create a website out of it, which I'm I'm debating. I, I have I've converted them and minted them into wallets. Minting is an NFT term when you mint it on the blockchain. Just think of that as the signature. So I've signed the signature to say that I own it. So I own those. I don't have to repay anything. And now it's up to me how I want to use them. I could also sell them to someone as well. But the, at the end of the day, I own that because I'm thinking ahead, hey, inspireguyspeople.nft, I could see that being something I want to use. Um, or .wallet, I could see that maybe that's a way I receive donations from the show or something like that or whatever it may be. Right. Again, thinking as a contributor, thinking ahead of time, not waiting for things to happen and also trying to understand what NFTs are. So I'm going to chill on that point there. My overall point, even with sharing, I was reluctant. I don't, I don't like to make this stuff about what I'm doing personally. But the reason I share it with y'all is because as I talk about being a contributor or a consumer, I do want to share some practical things and like, you know, not be just too private where y'all can understand like, hey. One of the ways that I learn really well what something is, is by participating in it. So I learned about, you know, NBA Top Shot by actually purchasing and selling. So I've been on there and like actually touched and engaged and bought and sold. And so now I can talk about it. Same thing with Unstoppable Domains. Okay, I've minted an NFT. So I'm not just talking about things that are just theoretical. I think that is important. So y'all understand why am I credible to talk about this? I don't consider myself an expert. I'm considering myself someone who's constantly learning. But as I'm learning, I'm contributing and I'm also um, participating in that regard. Now, to what capacity? Again, that's up to you how you want to participate or not. Uh, one of the last resources I want to leave you today is first, I want to say this as we go back to the metaverse, metaverse and NFTs. And I talked about this a little bit in the metaverse um, show but now that you understand what NFTs are a little better, just that they're digital assets that can be bought and sold. Like, I want you also to um, understand, like, from a gaming perspective. So I talked to y'all. Again, some people have a problem that something sold for $4.3 million in Sandbox. However, your kids play Roblox all day long. Roblox and Sandbox are the, sandbox are the exact same thing, pretty much. Sandbox is just decentralized and works in a way where the people can make the money. Here's the part that I really hope people get and understand um, as it relates to cryptocurrency and NFTs and anything else. Decentralization. Like, ultimately, these industries already exist, but the companies and organizations make all the money. They get all the resources, all the return on investment. This is one of the first times that I've ever seen in my life where regular everyday people, regular people, right? NFTs for regular people can actually be proactive contributors and figure out, hey, how, if I'm an artist, if I'm like, how do I, how do I set up an NFT con collection? I'm about to tell you that before I leave. But like, my point is like, we like, we need to stop 
being at the end of the line and find our way to the beginning of the line. And that's just one of the things that I personally believe. So, um, again, we can have a problem with Sandbox, but some regular person that owned that land, imagine you were the person that owned that digital land because you bought it when it first came out as a contributor. You didn't wait for everybody to find out about it. You owned it already. Maybe you paid $5,000 for it and it was stupid. Everybody's like, why would you pay $5,000 for a digital piece of land? And then, oh, it just so happened that it was in a good location and you end up selling it for $4 million. Nobody's going to be mad if they're on the receiving end of that $4.3 million. But everybody think it's stupid on the selling end. Okay, again, I'm not saying that I would buy no digital real estate for $4.3 million. But again, what if in five years that person sell it for 10? It'll be a great investment. That's just how investing works. It's up to you to understand the time that you live in, the value, the way you want to contribute or what you want to stay away from. I'm not telling you to do either one. I'm just trying to give you some information behind it. Now, in the metaverse and gaming world, and let's just take metaverse out of it because that's a new term and it scares people. And it is, it can, it's some creepiness to it. Don't get me wrong. And we talked about that on the episode. But what I will tell you is some of it already exists, meaning your kids are already playing games and taking your hard-earned money, paying into this game, and yet they don't own any of the digital assets in there. And an NFT in a game might be something as simple as, let's say you're playing Call of Duty and you have a bulletproof vest on. You buy that bulletproof vest, that's an NFT. What's different about it than in Call of Duty today versus the Call of Duty of the future in the NFT world in the NFT world, you actually own that bulletproof vest. So just like you bought it, you could sell it. Just like I bought an NBA Top Shop moment, you can, I can sell it. So you might buy that bulletproof vest for $20. Well, what if bulletproof vest, what if it was only 100 of them and they ran out and somebody really wanted in the game and they're willing to pay $500 for it? You own it. You could buy it. You could sell it. It's proven. The signature is on the blockchain. It could be shown that you own it. Now, here's one of the things that people have a hard time wrapping their heads around with digital ownership. So Steph um, Curry bought something. I think he bought a Boar, Boar Apes Club. It's called the Boar Apes Club. It's a collection of NFTs. It's like these apes, and they're just digital pictures. So I think it's his Twitter uh, profile uh, picture. It was. It might not be anymore. It was when he bought it. Maybe he paid 300000 for it. Now, most people like this stupid because I could just screenshot this picture and I can make it my profile picture, too. What's the difference between why he bought it? Well, that would be like saying, hey, why did this person pay $90,000 for the Van Gogh's uh, Starry Night? When I can go to Target and they sell the Starry Night for $20. It looked the same. But here's the thing. They paid that for the original. When something is original, it increases in value. And that's what you have to understand about NFTs. You could take a screenshot of any NFT, but you don't own it. No different than you having a picture of a Van Gogh painting and you blow it up and put it on your wall. You don't own the original. That's not the original. People pay for originality. So if you fell in and having a hard time understanding why would someone pay for this, just understand it in terms of originality, authenticity, and proofability of ownership. You, Steph Curry can prove he has the only Bore Ape Club version that, like his. So since it's original, it's a very popular collection from a popular artist, I guess. Like, so it has that value to him. He could probably also resell it. Remember, some value is based on who the person is. So if I told you, hey, I'm selling a Bulls jersey that Michael Jordan wore in game six of the NBA finals, like it has more value because Michael Jordan wore it and where he wore it. 
It's a Bulls jersey right now that looks just like it in a store for $100. But you're willing to pay more. I could probably get $20,000 because Michael Jordan wore it. So that's just how we value things in general. So, again, as you're understanding NFTs and trying to wrap your mind around it, I hope this helped. I hope this was a regular people way of talking about it. Um, but I want to leave you with one thing. Again, this show is about being tangible, touching and seeing things in real life. OpenSea.io. Again, you can see the description, the website in the description of the show. So you could just look in the description and click the link. OpenSea.io is an NFT marketplace. Now, here's the reality. There's a bunch of NFT marketplaces that exist. This NFT marketplace sits on Ethereum. So remember we had our cryptocurrency for regular people episode, and I was explaining to you about Ethereum and what it means when you invest in Ethereum and when you own it? Well, remember I said Ethereum is a system, just like iOS. Apple is a system, and dApps, decentralized apps, are built on top of it. Well, OceanSea.io is one of those dApps. So here's the point. OceanSea.io is a marketplace for NFTs. What does this mean? It's, bit, it's built on Ethereum, which means that things are translated, currency and values are translated in values of ETH, not in values of USD, although they probably have USD in a parentheses or something like that. And also Polygon, which is a layer zero system, um, that or layer two system, I'm sorry, that can also be leveraged with um, Ethereum. So not to get too deep there, when you look at the price, it might say something like 0.2 ETH, 0.2 or the logo for ETH. If you don't know the logo, that's what it is. You could go on this marketplace today and actually just see what type of NFTs are selling. What are people paying for? What do they cost? You're going to see that they're paying thousands of dollars for digital pictures, okay? Here's the other thing. If you're an artist, you can go and mint, which again, sign and create a collection of NFTs or one. You can go do that today on OpenSea.io. This is the important of, importance of learning how to be a contributor. You might have a God-given talent. You might have some content, something that you created that is not an NFT today, but may have value as an NFT. And you could go and figure that out today. Like You could literally go to that website today and learn about it, read more about NFTs. They're going to have a lot more information than even what I covered today. Now, let's say you are sitting on something that could be worth $10,000. And maybe a person is saying, Jermaine, I don't want to learn about all this stuff. Learning has so much value. Number one, education is more powerful than fear. So when I learn things, I don't have to be afraid of them. That's why I can talk freely about this stuff. Again, because I at least understand at a basic level and a regular people level, I understand what this stuff is. I understand what it's not. Um, there are also aspects that I don't know. I also am very well aware of what, how people can leverage some of this stuff and it could be negative, but I'm also able to police myself just like I know what Instagram is. So I don't allow myself to sit on Instagram all day because I know what it is. I don't have a TikTok because I know what it is. I don't like like TikTok is too much for me. Like they they showing too much stuff on there. It's just it's just too much. I don't need to see a bunch of girls dancing. Like it's just, TikTok just have too much going on. So I stay away from it. That's me. That's my decision. That doesn't mean you have to stay away from TikTok. It just means that we have to be educated and mindful when we're leveraging these things. But also, we got to also understand that there's a lot of value in finding out things early. Like the first person in line gets the best seat. And as a contributor, that has value too. Remember we talked about Apple. You know, I wasn't, you know, smart enough or 
engaged enough at the time. I was a teenager in the late nineties and like, I didn't know, like, you know what? I just didn't know like what, what Apple would be worth today, but I'm a consumer. So yeah. Okay. I bought Apple stock later. I wish I would have caught it earlier because the people who got in line first got the real value. So that's my take on it. My, my take on all of this is let's educate ourselves. Let's continue to talk about it and learn. We don't have to talk as know-it-alls. I don't know everything. I'm not an expert. I'm just learning, and I'm a person that has allowed myself to participate and contribute and find out ways to contribute. But also, I want to just, you know, this show is about being a resource to people and also guiding you, right? Guidance isn't about telling people what, what to do. Sometimes it's about nudging them or challenging them and saying, hey, look over here. Have you looked under that rock? Do you know what that is over there? There may be some value in it for you. There may be a role for you to play over here. Maybe it's not. Maybe you want to stay away from it. Maybe you want to learn about it so you can warn other people of the dangers of it. But there's value in education. You are never going to go wrong educating yourself in something and knowing what it is. And that's my approach with this stuff. Again, not telling you what to do, not telling you what not to do. The stuff I share that I'm doing is not to encourage you to do it necessarily. It's just to give you information as to how am I coming up with my um, logic around how I'm thinking through this stuff, what I like, what I don't like. And um, again, I've put in hundreds of hours of research and study. And so I am just a regular person that's learning. But hopefully this was valuable to you. I don't know what NFTs will be in the future. I speculate that they are here to stay. If you do just a little research, you will see that there are millions of dollars circulating in this industry already, and it's a baby. It's brand new. NFTs are coming to Instagram. Like, that's going to happen for sure, because that is when you go into Meta or Facebook changing their name to Meta. They are definitely going to pull all of their companies into all aspects of the metaverse. And again, that's why I'm talking about this stuff, so you can understand what this means, we, I'm, I'm tired of us being last in line and late to the party, both as contributors and consumers. Like, and we're always at the mercy of like, the marketing tactics that tell us how to use this stuff. I just want you to understand and know what it is. But hey, I've enjoyed talking to you today. I guess I'm going to go ahead and play that song, 30 seconds or so of it. Don't give up now. And it has a lot of value to me, I guess, even with this conversation. Look, if you're a person that's out here that's struggling financially or hasn't had it all handed out to you in life, man, part of the reason I like to talk about business and these things is that, hey, versus complaining, we should be getting up and figuring out how do I leverage and have strategy and use this stuff for the future? How do I make my life better? I could tell you that, you know, I'm just a regular person. I grew up in Detroit on Seven Mile and... Um, I had to learn so much stuff on my own. I had to put hundreds of hours in on finances, credit, saving, so much stuff. I've put in hundreds of hours. I'm not exaggerating. And um, that's why I'm, I'm so passionate about this stuff because when I look at it, me and my wife, we could have just said, forget it. We broke and we from the hood and nobody ever taught us nothing. So why learn? But by the grace of God, we took a different route. We decided to learn. We decided to team up and be on the same page with what we wanted to do and what we didn't. And we've seen that impact our lives tremendously. And so for me, as part of giving back is just to educate people and to give people insight and not stun on people and not like, oh, I did this. You can't do it. No, it's like, I'm a regular person, bro. Like this stuff crazy. I'd be tripping that. Like just that God bless me 
Like I had a call today. I was talking to the CEO of a startup and this company's coming to the U.S. Um, out of Israel. I can't get into like what it is and stuff, but I was just talking to the CEO and she used to be the CEO of a major corporation, which again, I'm not going to get into, but um, a corporation that we all know, like, you know it, you've been a consumer, one of the biggest countries in, in, in the world globally. And she was the CEO of one of their divisions. And we were talking today and she was talking about how she's going to leverage her brand for, um, you know, use some technology and things to scale her brand. And for me, I'm like, you know, there are certain opportunities that God gives me just to talk to people, like just to hear people. And they got like big jobs, like real big jobs. And this is not like an interview for the show. So unfortunately, I can't share it. This is just um, a private conversation that I had um, on a Zoom call with her. And my point is, I'm like, man, I'm from Seven Mile. I'm sitting here talking to this CEO about technology and how she's going to leverage it and whatever for her company. And I'm like, this stuff crazy. Like God has blessed me so much. I don't have everything. I go through ups and downs just like you, man, but I'm so grateful for this show, this podcast for the people who listen. I'm like, I'm just a regular dude. <laughs> Y'all don't get it. I'm regular, but God gifted me and I want to maximize those gifts. And I know he gifted you. And so I just want to encourage and be a catalyst for other people to maximize their gifts because God gave us so much. Even when we regular, we not. And that's the beauty of it. It's like, we put so much value in like, oh, this person has, they have a Harvard degree or they're from here or their family was this. And with God, man, it's like, no, oh, God could take the most regular. God could use those people too. You shouldn't feel bad if God bless you, but God could take the most regular person and like faith without works is dead though. You got to work. And when you work, you will look up and you like, I look up so many times. I'm like me, like for real, like. I'm talking about NFTs and cryptocurrency, and I know what I'm talking about. Like, that's what it's funny to me that I know what I'm talking about. Like, that's hilarious. Like, I'm from Seven Mile. I used to just play basketball in the street, man. Like, you know, I got a free lunch in school growing up. I was the class clown in high school. But, you know, by the grace of God, like, man, like, I'm talking about investment. I got investments. Like, I got a portfolio. That's funny. It's funny to me. It's hilarious. But by the grace of God, like, look. You know what I'm saying? God could take the foolish things and come find the wise. And sometimes I look at some of my experience, I'm like, these foolish things, I'm, I'm from a foolish place. Like, you know what I mean? But God gifted and blessed me with people around me, my family, my parents, like my siblings. And, you know, I just love y'all, the listeners of this show. I pray that y'all take value from this show and that um, it changes and touches your life in a way that you've never been impacted. That's my prayer is like that inspire God's people can connect with a part of you that ain't never been touched. That's what I'm going for. Like, did, like a conversation, godly Christian perspective on business that like is genuine and ain't nobody ever said it to you like this. Because I believe that that is what sparks change in people. That's where you start seeing people start businesses and become contributors. And I just want to be a part of your story. I just want to be able to say, I lit that fire. You know what I'm saying? And with that, I say I love you and God bless. And please share this show with somebody. Um, it's amazing. The show is still growing. We had a great year this year. Every year I'd be like, man, how we going? Oh, last year was great. Like, How we going to do that? And like, man, it happens. And so still a lot of growing to do. But, man, I'm just a regular person trying to help regular people. And I hope that this connects with you in that way. And I just say, you know, if you don't take anything else from this, man, take away the value of ownership. That's something for me, you know, we all consume as a contributor. When I like something, just like the NBA top shot, I'm like, 
I like this. How can I own it? Like, I don't understand how people just do stuff as a consumer and never own it. Like, everything I do, if I like it, I'm like, yo, is it possible for me to own this? So don't give up on that idea of ownership, man. And um, regardless of where you at in life, it's possible for regular people to be great. If I give up now, then I would never see what you had for me. Sometimes I just want to give up now, but I would never know just how far I could go. La, 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 la. Tell me, love, should I stop now? If I keep going, will I ever find out? Or am I just wasting my time now? You can tell me, you can tell me now. 